Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless possible. Welcome to Shameless, the celebrity and pop culture podcast that goes deep on all the dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne journalists Zara McDonald and Michelle Andrews. Hello. Coming up on today's show, the phenomenon that is Steph Claire Smith, why women's magazines get away with publishing utter bullshit, and the flammable state of Victoria and David Beckham's marriage. But first, Zara, how was your week? I had a very good week, I have to say. I kind of tried this week to invest in me. So because we're doing a lot of work, I thought (laughs) I am not exercising much. I am not doing any mindfulness. I'm not reading any books. I need to find a way to give myself time. What was that way? I ended up obsessed with watching the most bogan reality (laughs) television show in the history of the world, which is House Rules. Yeah. It's so bad, but it's so good. My favorite part about all this is your... Secret shame that you're watching House I Rules? Do, no, so I had a lot of secret shame in the early in the week. And then I tried to bring a lot of people on board. My boyfriend is honestly horrified by it because he's some, he thinks he's some interior snob. My dad, I thought I had my dad on board. He was sitting next to me watching it one night. And then he slowly got up as he realized the kitchen was going to be designed with a gold splashback, <laughs> red red um, tabletops and like sprinklings of silver through it. Like it's so bad. But wow. It's so I remember we had a phone call and after the phone call, you sounded really weird when I hung up and then you messaged me afterwards. You're like, sorry, I just felt awkward that you were hearing house rules. Because in the background. it was like 11 o'clock in the morning and I was sitting at home watching it from my computer. That's okay. I, had, I was trying to catch up from the night before. It's not just me trying to catch the show while it's on I am deliberately seeking it out when it's not on so I've been on a week of annual leave this week yes you have and instead of watching house rules I have been watching every episode that Jenna Marbles has put on YouTube in the last six years who's Jenna Marbles what Jenna Marbles is the most subscribed to female YouTuber can I she Google is her as hilarious we're no you can't Google her as we're recording because yes, we we're professional podcasters no, Jenna Marbles <laughs> She How do you not know who Jenna Marbles is? Oh, she's got purple hair. And she's she's got different coloured hair. She changes the colour of her hair every week. But I've been watching her a lot. My sister Evelyn came over on Thursday and we watched Jenna Marbles for about four hours. Wow, that seems like you could have found way better use of your time, including yeah. but not limited to 
getting involved with house rules. <laughs> anyway, the first place we want to start today, just so I'm going to get off this so I don't get trashed in my terrible taste in TV, is we're interviewing Steph Claire Smith. We are interviewing Steph Claire Smith. Basically, the reason for this is that She's one of the biggest and most successful influencers. She's got 1.3 million followers and a bunch of people follow her life, including us. I feel like I've been following Steph Claire Smith's life for a lot of years. years. Yeah, absolutely. I know that everyone is obsessed with her dog, Ari. She's got a boyfriend, Josh, who everyone's kind of grown up with them in a sense. I mean, I probably started following Steph when she was 19 and now she's our, she's obviously our age. (laughs) Now she's our age. (laughs) Like Benjamin Button going backwards or something. I've stayed the same. (laughs) No, she's um, our age and I've always found it interesting as you have. Yeah, absolutely. We have been really interested and I think that has been a common theme in many of the episodes that we've put out to you guys in how a lot of influencers are making the evolution into businesswomen and really leveraging off that following to do that. So we wanted to pick our brains as to how she got here and how she feels about it all. Exactly. We hope you guys really enjoy this interview with the wonderful Steph Clessie. Steph, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Hey, so you're obviously hugely popular and successful through social media, (laughs) in particular Instagram. Why do you think that is? There are so many models and there are so many uh, fitness influencers around, but there's something about you that just cuts through. Do you, have you ever thought about why that might be? Well, thank you, first of all. (laughs) I don't, I don't ever look at myself as uh, hugely popular, Um, but I suppose for me, one thing that kind of stands out is that I've been doing it and kind of growing my following for five years now um so it's been a very gradual growth I probably hit about 100k maybe four and a half years ago um so it's just been slowly but surely growing into what it is today it's not kind of something that's happened overnight which I suppose is is why it's a little bit different to anyone trying to grow their following right now um I always get asked that kind of question you know how do I how do I get as many followers as you and everything it's really hard for me to answer because it's taken years. Um, but I don't know. I suppose I stay as real and relatable as possible. I try and put up a bit of everything on my page because from the beginning, as I said, I've been doing it for five years, um, there was always a bit of mixture on there with yeah. my content. So I suppose people follow me for different reasons. Um, some people might follow me for my fitness. Others are interested in the modeling industry and others just love my dog. So <laughs> it's... Um, <laughs> It's good for me to keep a bit of a mixture up there and I suppose that's why following has happened because it's such a broad kind of thing. You can follow me for a few different reasons, but that's not me pumping up my own tires. That's what I've heard from other people. <laughs> no, I think that's pretty spot on. What um, Michelle and I often talk about when when we consider our own following habits is that we follow people a lot who you know share a bit of their lives. It's not just a model or it's not just a fitness influencer, but you get to know them too. So how do you think in the last couple of years, your approach to to Instagram has changed. Do you feel like you've pulled back from sharing because you've built that following already? Um, I suppose, I mean, the responsibility that I have, I know that I've got a a lot of young following, so um, I I know how easily influenced they can be. So I've definitely really concentrated on on not making, I mean, taking advantage of those people, I suppose. So, I mean, not that I ever did, but it's just being um, a lot more aware of that situation. So I just really um, consider brands and stuff before I work with them. Um, And much like when it comes to any promotional posts and stuff like that, I I genuinely love 
uh, the brands that I post for and I do use them. Um, and that's why, I don't know, if you look at my page versus a lot of other people with a million followers, um, a lot of the content that I'm pushing is either people that I'm signed with or my own brands. Like I don't really do that many promotional posts and it's only because I do the odd one that pops up that I do really use and love and believe in. Yeah. Um, so I suppose for me that's, that's changed. I suppose when I first started um, I was really excited to work with pretty much anyone. Um, not to say that I anything I didn't like. I always had to like the thing but I was just a lot more excited back then and I suppose yeah, used, not used, but really took advantage of it. Um, and so now I, I use it in a completely different sense. I do like to share the real parts of my life. Um, I think I owe that to a lot of my following, being that they're young girls, a lot of them. Um, I think it's nice to show that kind of relatable side of things and um, to let them know that like, not anyone's life is perfect and I do love my life and I'm so grateful for it and I love what I do. But everybody has bad days and I suppose for me there's a lot of girls who are following me and they seem to compare their lives to mine um, and I just want them to know that everyone goes through different stuff and yeah it's not all perfect so I suppose that's kind of the thoughts that go into my post these days it's a lot more um, I'm trying to think about what they might want to see or what they should be seeing. Yeah so like obviously it almost feels like I know that I myself have followed you for years it feels like uh, we've almost seen you grow up in a sense from being a teenager to what you are today when yeah. you're talking about like the brands that you work with and everything it's been such an evolution do you now consider brands that you'll work with them if they're good for women? Is that one of the criteria that you look at or is it that young girls will feel empowered, not feel shit about themselves? Yeah, pretty much, for sure. Like there's there's obvious ones that I won't, I won't go near. Anything that's like any diet pills or like skinny teas or anything like that that I think is actually a negative influence, I mm. won't um, touch. But yeah, I mean, it's as I said, it's just got to be a product or something that I do love and that I've tried um, and that I think, does deserve a push and it's even even small businesses and stuff like that I mean I've started a few of my own businesses so I know what it's like to start out and um, if I come across something that is a super small business or maybe an Australian business that needs a little bit of a push or whatever um, you know I still post a whole lot for free and everything like that because for me it's 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 all about karma and all that sort of sort of stuff so I really like supporting those small businesses as well. So as you just mentioned then, you are the co-founder of three companies. You've got your sunglass brand, Soda Shades, Swimwear Company, The Midnight Co. and fitness company, Keep It Cleaner. How do you manage to sort of do it all? Um, yeah, I sometimes ask myself the same question, but um, <laughs> the biggest thing to remember is that I'm not in it alone. Uh, all my business partners are amazing. So Laura, as you guys know, um, is an incredible woman and business partner and best friend. So we have a really good work relationship um we respect each other so much so we know you know kind of how to keep each other going and motivated and 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 work hard we both have the same goals and ambitions for the business so i suppose that keeps us motivated um and then ethan so midnight is actually ethan josh's brother's brand and he brought me in a couple years ago i think when he started doing women's design um so i jumped on board to help him with designs and marketing and all that sort of stuff and being his kind of face of the brand model sort of thing um and that's been an awesome relationship that's blossomed into what it is now which is great and then with soda that's josh's full-time job so my partner he um he basically quit his job a year ago or maybe eight months ago 
and a week later flew to China and got started on soda. So oh, wow. it's my business partners that um, obviously really help. It's not just me. And I think the thing is, is I'm really passionate about every single one of those businesses. Um, I want them all to go really well and I, I'm, I'm a big part of each one of them. So I suppose that keeps me motivated. <laughs> but for me, the, um, the hardest thing, which I kind of ran into at the start of the year, was finding that kind of balance. Like I was losing a lot of um, fun me time, I suppose. It got to a point where because I loved what I did so much um, and th- that I was running them, it was hard to switch off, I suppose. Like I kind of felt guilty to have a day off or to kind of sit down and watch Netflix or anything like that. So mm. I had a bit of a... Um, not a breakdown, but a bit of a freak out at the start of the year where I just knew something had to change um, and I had to find that balance again because that's something that I, I do preach about. So it's really one of those things, you know, you've got to practice what you preach. You've got to, you're going to tell people to have that work-life balance and you've got to do it yourself. So um, I just kind of forced myself into scheduling in those days off or, um, you know, being okay with having an hour off or like you know, not coming home from work and feeling like I have to do my emails that night, I can do them tomorrow, that sort of thing. Um, And I feel a lot more happy now. And when it does come to work, I am a lot more switched on and ready to go. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You and Josh, you began as uh, two social media influencers, but now it's pretty clear you're like this entrepreneurial uh, force to be reckoned with. How has that been for you two? I know you guys have been together for years, but how has that been, that evolution of your relationship? Yeah, it, it, it's been different. I mean, so Josh and I, we've known each other since I was 12, so we've been family friends for a long time and know each other very well and then been dating for six years. So as you said, we know each other very well and been in each other's lives for a while, but it is a totally different relationship when you start working with that person. Um, so I suppose over the last couple of years, he did start to work with me a little bit on um, kind of smaller scales, you know, like maybe creating some content with me or going on trips with me and that sort of stuff. Um, and we really liked it. We really liked working together. And I suppose that kind of gave him the idea of being able to leave his job. And, and it wasn't one of those things that was like, oh, you know, Instagram's so big now. I'm just going to quit my job and be an influencer. It wasn't anything like that. He was really unhappy in his job, as in he just kind of wasn't motivated ever to go to work. Um, we were having amazing opportunities popping up. And we couldn't take them. And he just kind of thought, you know, if I'm ever going to do it, if I'm ever going to try something else, um, now's the time. You know, we don't have kids. Um, <laughs> there's like, it's just kind of that time. You know, he's only 27. So it's better to try different things now than like down the track. So he um, just kind of did it. <laughs> and it was the best thing he ever did. He's a lot happier now. And, and as a couple, it's really nice being um super motivated and doing our own thing and working on photo together is is really cool it's, it's it can have its challenges where we both get quite stressed over the business but um i think that's something that is really cool to go through uh, in a relationship anyway i think you can see that you're pretty strong if you can go through that together yeah no doubt about that hey steph the other thing that is sort of the, the crux of your social media profile is now often the body positive message that you share do you ever find it difficult promoting exercise and, and healthy eating but also for young women to love the skin they're in and finding that fine line yeah and i mean i suppose it's hard because a lot of the time when i try and promote that message there is still people out there who who tend to put me in a box of people that apparently can't share that message because I'm I'm blessed. <laughs> um, which which can annoy me because 
I think what everyone needs to understand is that absolutely everyone in the world has insecurities, no matter what they look like, um, and everyone can go through their own struggles, which is definitely something I've been through, um, which I stay quite open about. But, you know, for me to get told that because I look a certain way that I can't try and try and get girls to learn to love themselves by looking after themselves and, and being healthy and, and knowing that their body's beautiful for what it can do and not what it looks like um, is, is really hard to hear sometimes, but... You know, I just keep doing me. <laughs> I'll just keep going. It, it's a, it's those people you've got to ignore and just to kind of concentrate on all the positive messages. But for me, it's just been really important because I was really easily influenced um, when I was younger. And being a model, um, it was always that kind of pressure to look a certain way and everything, particularly when I was living overseas. So for me, I just kind of put myself in a young girl's position who might be in high school on Instagram following all these models or certain influences that look a certain way and comparing their body to what they see. I don't I don't really want that. So I'm trying to do my best to show them that everybody, no matter who they follow, um, has their own little bad days or like they they want to change things about themselves and it's just about trying to ignore those those things, those thoughts in your head and um, looking at the things you love about yourself instead. <laughs> Steph, you have been so wonderful to chat to. Thank you so much for talking to us. No, thank you for having me. <laughs> and now it's time for the quick and dirty. As always, we will bring you five stories from the rough and tumble of the news cycle that you may have missed. Michelle, you're up. What have you got for me today? Okay, story number one. Ariana. Oh, he, of course. <laughs> you are nothing if not predictable. Ariana. Ariana Grande engaged to Pete Davidson after whirlwind romance. I nearly didn't get that out. That was from People magazine. So they've been dating for a total of two and a half weeks. I've literally been watching Love Island. You've already cracked that joke on Instagram. Yeah, but I'm going to crack it again because it's fucking true. Also, I'm pretty sure a bottle of milk has been in my fridge for longer than Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson have been together. you pre-prepared that one earlier too. <laughs> two and a half weeks is an insane amount of time to be together before you get married. I My confusion comes down to what's the rush? Yeah, and I remember I once wrote an article about this on Mamma Mia and I was saying that there should not be any rush, that you are an idiot. If you get engaged after two and a half weeks, you're just an idiot. And all these people came back to me and said, you're such a cynic. What about true love? What about falling deeply and madly in love with each other? Blah, blah, blah. I'm all for that. But we need to keep in mind that Pete Davidson is a man who recently had to get a tattoo of his ex's face covered up because he dove in too quickly with her and had her face tattooed on his arm. They've already got matching couple tattoos. This is not headed very well. If you want to move quickly, move in together. Don't get engaged. Okay, next. <laughs> Number two is trouble in paradise. Tara Pavlovich responds to claims she's split from fiance Sam Cochrane. That couple, is from now to love. Couple of weird things about this. I think this was posted in our Facebook group, and the first thing that people recognised was that the the story was sort of built on this idea that they had unfollowed each other on Instagram. Now it's very hard to tell if they have unfollowed each other if they have therefore refollowed each other, but. I was very confused, A, why they were so surprised if they had unfollowed each other that this was a headline, or B, if they hadn't, why Daily Mail hadn't done due diligence and just checked themselves. Mm. I know that there is a little glitch where you can sometimes, like I could type in your name into my following and you might not appear. So you have to actually cross-check and I need to therefore go into your followers to see if my name's there to check Mm. if it's really legit. Mm. But I just thought it was interesting that someone had fucked up here. I'm just not sure what side it was on. Yeah, and it is interesting to me if everyone's saying, 
saying, no, they're fine, they're fine. There's nothing to see here. I don't get it. Like, if they unfollowed each other, they're clearly looking for a headline. I'm not accusing them of baiting the media, but, but you're just accusing they're them baiting, baiting the media. media. <laughs> Story number three. Ocean's 8 has already stolen the box office record away from the dudes in Ocean's 11. That's from Junkie. Nice work, Sandra Bullock. I know, and I saw the movie during the week, and I really enjoyed it. I know there was a lot of negative coverage about it around, especially in the New York Times and the New Yorker. I just enjoyed it as something sugary and fun to see with your girlfriends. I don't think there was that much. I mean, there's it's not critically celebrated as a brilliant a brilliant movie, but I think a lot of people the best kind of coverage that I read about it was the fact that it's very hard for women to to play roles that are created for men. That is a storyline based around men. So I think we should cut it some slack simply because of that. Mm, and I would advise any celebrity fan to go see it because there are a fuck ton of celebrity cameos that I was not expecting and that I'm very impressed by. Story number four. Rose McGowan rises in defense of Anthony Bourdain's girlfriend, Asia Argento. There is no one to blame. That's from Huffington Post. This one was a sad one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. And once again, I mean, I know we spoke about celebrity mental health and suicide last week, and we spoke about us not really needing the nitty gritty details of people's private lives when they die. And I think this story with Anthony Bourdain again crossed that line. It was insane to me as soon as Anthony Bourdain passed that there was a lot of commentary on Twitter saying, let's do this one right. Like, as Mm. we spoke about last week with Kate Spade, there was a lot that was wrong about the coverage. And there was a lot of conversations like, let's be really clever about how we report on this. And even still, there are reports on what Asia Argento was doing in the days before he died and things like that. And it's just not relevant. And I think Rose McGowan was asked to write that letter Mm. to clear the air and say, let's just leave this as a a really avoidable tragedy as it Mm. is and what does the nature of their relationship or the parameters that they put around their relationship have to do with his death i don't understand why that's just disgusting yeah it's gross all right my final story tammy hembrow's relationship is one of the most followed on instagram and it just ended that's from mamamia.com.au so finally They've come out and admitted it. They have. When were we on this? Oh, it was probably weeks ago. It was probably a month ago that we did. Uh, I think the episode was called When a Lie Goes Viral. You guys can go back in the feed and listen to that one if you haven't already. We actually reached out to Tammy Hembrow's sister at the time that rumors were circulating that something was up. And now she has confirmed in a YouTube video that her and Reese Hawkins have split. But apparently no cheating involved. Apparently, yeah. So it was an interesting video. It was only a couple minutes long. She did not want to go into any detail as to why they split or the nature of their relationship now. And it's pretty fascinating. It is very fascinating. I will be really curious to see how they handle it on social media, Mm. whether they sort of try to play happy families or it's just sort of a clean break and they never appear in each other's feeds again. Well, speaking of Tara Pavlovich and Sam Cochrane, just again for a second, these two, Tammy Hembrow and Reese, were first rumoured to break up because they'd unfollowed each other on Instagram. So I guess that's why those type of things always come into the play with news stories because they do tend to... Where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. Smoke, there's fire. That's all for the quick and dirty. Thank you so much. Good evening. Homegrown Hollywood actor Rebel Wilson is celebrating after winning the biggest defamation payout in Australian history. Rebel Wilson is celebrating after winning her defamation battle against the publisher of Woman's Day. Rebel Wilson has fired back after having her defamation payout dramatically slashed on appeal. She plans to fight a court decision to cut her awarded damages from $4.5 million to just 600000 
In the same week that Rebel Wilson's defamation payout from Bauer Media was slashed from 4.5 million to 600,000, Sylvia Jeffries slammed Pacific magazines for publishing a fabricated story about her marriage. The Today Show personality slammed New Idea on Instagram after the magazine ran unflattering paparazzi shots and claimed she and new husband Peter Stefanovic were in relationship hell. The story, which was published without an author byline, went on to say the TV stars are far from the throes of newlywed bliss. Zara, why do we allow women's magazines to make money off utter lies? Because it's too hard to keep them and hold them to account. Mm. I know that's a really hard question. And I it's so weird in my job, and you obviously <laughs> have the same job, but I would say the most common question I get asked is, I don't understand how magazines like this can get away with publishing utter lies. Like it's not journalism, it's just sort of fairy tale fabricated stories mm. that have no basis in reality. And have real victims at the end of them. Exactly. And a lot of them are local celebrities who are seeing this stuff. And I think that's probably the most interesting part is that this is a very small industry. It's really bizarre to me that, well, it's not bizarre because someone's not putting their byline on this. And I think the first red flag to any story that's probably not legit is someone not willing to put their name on it. Mm. But I do think it absolutely comes down to our complete inability to hold them to account. Yeah. And I mean, when you say these are fabricated, they absolutely are. I really enjoyed a Media Watch episode earlier in the year that exposed magazine covers that claimed Jen Aniston and Brad Pitt had reunited. So what they'd actually done, Media Watch exposed was doctor images they literally got two separate images cut out jen cut out brad and mashed them together to make it look like they were back together and they were spending time together this went so far for the magazines to doctor a photo of an 11 year old on the set of a movie and make it look like it was shiloh brad's kid Mm. and put it in a photo put shiloh in a photo with jen and to involve 11 year olds and children into this is just so screwed up It really troubles me a lot that these magazines are still getting bought. So as much as we can sit here on our high horse and say, well, it's just actually absurd that that a a magazine full of lies can, can be bought, there are people that are buying them. There are people that are sitting in the hairdresser reading them. And I think that before we actually get into the nitty gritty of why they can do this and why we can't hold them to account, there are still people reading this and still people buying them. And I think first and foremost, that's part of the problem. Yeah, absolutely. And it is a really interesting demographic. As you said, I often will flick through these magazines at the hairdresser, but I don't see them anywhere else apart from my psychologist's office or hairdresser salon or whatever. But I did find a really interesting article about this. It was from Broadly in 2016, where an anonymous writer who has worked in women's magazines and wrote these fake stories, gave some really interesting quotes. So what she said was, what you can invent and get away with is the crux of her job. She was saying that you would cook your story to be whatever your boss desired. Poor Jen is right about the ridiculous cycle of celebrity news, but it's not just the celebrities who suffer. Spare a moment's thought for the people who write this shit. We're all cogs in the same machine. I agree with that 1000%. And I think I agree with that because 
it's all well and good for local celebrities to say, get a new job mm. to journalists or, you know, like get your head out of the gutter and do something else. But I think to say that is so close-minded to not understand the state of, of the media industry right now and, and the fact that there are no jobs going around. And when there are jobs going around, a lot of them are these jobs because this is the only content making money. Mm. Digital is a very hard medium to crack. It's very hard for articles to cut through. We say this all the time. Mm. It's very hard for, for media organisations to get reach now. So obviously the answer at the end of the day is not publishing lies, but I think if somebody needs to work in an industry where there is no work, how can we possibly blame them for working in a place that's going to pay their bills? And I think we said this last week a little bit as well, that I think when you're in the cycle of everything and you're in the, you're, you are a cog in this massive machine of uh, media and celebrity journalism, I think you do get lost. I'm not surprised that a lot of these magazines go down the same route of publishing fictitious stories because I think when you're just a cog and you're just working towards the same goal to get reads and circulation and it's such tight deadlines that you're working on like you're, you are working to hourly deadlines you're not yeah. thinking long term there is no I mean I'm talking when you are a small writer you're not thinking long-term strategy you are thinking about getting your next article out getting to the end of the day you often don't even look up from your computer screen until you actually finish that shift but even the editors are the same they're given huge exactly. targets they're given massive kpis to reach this stuff and at the end of the day push comes to shove you can't care so much about the ethics of what you're doing when your job and your income depends on reads and clicks which basically depend on these salacious or, ridiculous lies or just magazine circulation in this case which mm. is the front page which is often these doctored images which is often them leading off a lie that will therefore get you to buy the magazine and look through exactly and i will put that video in the show notes because i think that's it's fascinating very good mm. i think in the case of rebel wilson and i think it's really interesting that we're having this conversation this week because we wanted to talk about it already when sylvia jeffries posted about it but when it comes to rebel wilson this is, I think, the most prime example as to why magazines can continually do this and why nobody holds them to account. Now, this can get into the, the, the nitty gritty because I did talk to a few lawyers about this because as much as we work in the media industry, I don't know why celebrities don't sue more. No, I have same. no idea. Absolutely. So I think the, the biggest barrier for celebrities suing magazines and tabloids is that it is incredibly time-consuming and very, very expensive. Now, that's probably no surprise, but I think once you get into the detail, you might be a bit blown away about how much work it actually is. Like in the case of Rebel Wilson, she filed a writ in the Victoria Supreme Court in March of 2016. Ages ago. We are now in 2018 and it's not over because there's appeals. So that's first and foremost this has been going on for over two years mm. when it comes to defamation you can basically sue for two different types of damages you can sue on the grounds of economic loss or you can sue on the grounds of, of loss of reputation so rebel wilson's arguing look i didn't get these roles therefore i lost x amount of money mm -hmm. most people in this kind of case when there is a lie about them won't really be able to sue on the on the on the basis of economic loss it will be more than anything on reputation. And that's also really hard to prove. How is it's, Rebel supposed to prove that she lost these well, jobs because of the magazine this article? Is exactly right. In the case of Rebel Wilson, you basically have to prove loss of opportunity. So how do you actually prove that she lost roles as a direct result of that Woman's Day article rather than her being not the right fit? You then also have to prove that you were a genuine likelihood of getting that role. So you were a, a, a shoe front in. runner. Yeah. Yep. And then you have to substantiate exactly how much the work would have been worth. Mm. So there's multiple steps here. When we're talking about other celebrities who might want to sue on the basis of, of loss of reputation, which is, I guess, character, characterized in, in law terms as non-economic loss... There's a cap in Australia about how much you can actually sue for. 
So you can, I think, just before around the Rebel Wilson case, I think that cap was at about $400,000. So you can only actually get about $400,000 out of this. And once you factor in legal fees, that would be massive. Well, it's huge because in the case of Rebel Wilson, her trial went for 16 days, right? She had three barristers and one was a QC, which is a Queen's Council, which is sort of like the most expensive barrister you can employ. A QC can charge up to $10,000 a day. Oh, my God. That's normal. That's exactly what she would have been paying. (laughs) Now, that's just for one of her lawyers. Then she had two barristers, which can charge between five or six grand a day. Oh, my God. She would have also had the partner in the law firm there. You also have to pay the jury costs. So the plaintiff in this case has to pay the jury costs, which from my understanding is a couple of grand a day. We are talking about three, four hundred thousand dollars for a sixteen day trial, not considering the consultations with her lawyers before and after. (gasps) It is so much money. Now we can say, well, she'll get all her legal costs back if she wins. She doesn't actually get them all back. You can only get sort of a a cap on that as well. Well, a percentage of that. I think there are two different ways you can go about it. But the crux of it is you don't often get them all back. So not only are you running the risk of losing and paying hundreds of thousands of dollars and being hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. But you are also not going to get all of those things back if you are only suing on the basis of loss of reputation. You also have that the win capped at about four hundred grand. It's quite depressing, isn't it? It is. But then, on the flip side, what I've been thinking a lot about is that Australia has some of the tightest defamation laws. And I know in the last few months, when someone like Tracy Spicer has been trying to break a lot of stories about the Me Too movement, particularly regarding high-profile Australian men, she hasn't been able to do it. So where do you go there? It's hard for celebrities to sue on the basis of defamation. It's impossible for journalists to break stories that actually matter on the basis of defamation. So where do you go? Yeah, it's kind of like we're all in a stalemate, especially in that circumstance. And I mean, it's hard because I was happy that Rebel Wilson's payout was slashed because I think media outlets do need to be able to publish stories without fear. Well, this this story is interesting anyway because this wasn't a lie. Hmm. This was them publishing her age. So it's one thing for them to publish a lie. It's another for actually them to publish the truth and then be sued for it as well. A lot of her case as well was about reading between the lines of what they were implying. By publishing her real age, they were insinuating that she was a liar and shady and mistrustworthy. So I guess that's where her argument lied and I completely understood that. But this is a really interesting case and I am very disillusioned with fake stories out there and I do feel really sorry for people like Sylvia Jeffries who have to deal with her marriage being trashed. Well and I think when you see this stuff in on Instagram or on the Today Show, Carl Stefanovic has come out against fake stories. I know Lisa Wilkinson has done it. A lot of them have done it. It's basically because they have no other avenue. Mm. This is the only way that they can say, hey this story is a lie and B I'm not going to stand for it. Just going back a little, a little bit on, about River Wilson. What I did just think is I was having this conversation at work the other day and one of our colleagues, Sophie, said, yeah, I'm all for the payout being slashed, but also um, this money was going to charity. That's a very good point. It is a very good point. Yeah. The, I mean, whether or not she had promised the money to charity yet or was going to wait for the appeal, but if she had, that's another layer to it. Yeah. I don't know. I just think at the end of the day, nothing is going to stop, unfortunately, a tabloid magazine publishing lies until we stop buying it. Yeah. And unfortunately, at the end of the day, that comes down to a lot of small businesses buying it. It does. It really, really yeah. does. You're so spot on. And they probably buy these magazines because they're the cheaper alternatives to stuff yeah. like Elle magazine yeah. or People or Who, who probably have more grounds in reality. I am very, very angry about the doctored images. I think that absolutely needs to stop. There needs to be some kind of 
uh, rule in Australia that that is illegal, that you cannot doctor an image and present it to be real. I I do agree with that. And I am dumbfounded that there isn't something that exists already around that. Mm. Um, I don't even know where to go from here. Like I said, I guess guess people have to stop buying them. But I I then hate the idea that we have to put the onus on us rather than put it on the media organisations that are publishing this stuff. I would imagine that media organizations are being a little bit more careful now because this this ruling with Rebel Wilson was quite shocking to a lot of the media industry because it was very hard for Rebel to prove and she managed to prove it. Mm. It was, I think, the biggest payout in history times by four. Mm. So I think that people will be very careful. But in saying that, big media organizations have budgets to be sued. <laughs> they absolutely do. They have money in their bank account in case they're sued. Yeah, the Daily Mail is renowned for having a kitty just for when they're sued for defamation. So it's hard for one little person to go up against a huge media organisation. I remember you said this a lot to me and you reminded me a lot of this um, when we used to talk about women's magazines is that it is also a two-way street in that Leighton and Beck Hewitt are always on the front cover or have been over the years about them breaking up. 500 times but also they've had a deal with them in the past yeah well this is the thing so celebrities can complain as much as they want about uh magazines and uh tabloid media and that's fine they're within their right to complain about it what i find irksome is when those same celebrities are profiting from those magazines and the media so they have deals like leighton beck hewitt I think they signed on for almost every major life event when their kids were being born, their wedding, whatever. They were selling everything to magazines. They had an exclusive deal. I'm pretty sure Beck Hewitt had a deal that after her first child was born, she was going to write a mother diary in Mm. this magazine every single week. So it's fine for them to turn around and say, oh, we don't want you guys to follow us anymore. But if you've made hundreds of thousands of dollars off these magazines for years, then do you really have the right to then turn around and say, now I want my privacy because it suits me? Well, it's like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Were you hounded so therefore you tried to make money off it or did you make money off it and therefore you were hounded? I do think it's important to note, though, that that it's not as cut and dry as it probably might seem. No, not at all. And I don't think Jen Aniston is the type to ever do a deal with New Idea or Women's Weekly, but then some more B and C and D grade celebrities probably are. Do you feel that David is perhaps better, has a better public persona image than you have? I think he does have now. I don't think that he did a few years ago. And I think that sometimes when you can get down and think, oh, why why don't people understand me? Why are they saying this? Why are they saying that? What better person to look at than my own husband to see how somebody can turn all that around? I mean, David is, uh, I call him (laughs) golden balls, you know, now because I mean... (laughs) It was the story that threatened to break the internet. David and Victoria Beckham are set to divorce, or are they? Last weekend, Twitter was engulfed by reports betting agencies had suspended betting on the likelihood of their divorce, with the rumour growing so strong the couple were forced to issue a strong denial. The rumour was David had impregnated his daughter's teacher and it was over. Mish, what did you make of the rumour as it peaked? I felt like it was 100% legitimate, which is so funny because we've just slammed magazines (laughs) for publishing places, rumours. But there's something about this. It's a very tricky conversation to have in light of what we literally just discussed. But I think what is important to note is that the tabloids in the UK, and when I talk about the tabloids in the K, we're talking about in the K, in the UK. (laughs) In the K. In the kingdom. Uh, (laughs) We're talking about websites like The Sun and The Mirror and stuff like that who do have pretty 
pretty close ties to British celebrities and do have a pretty good grasp on what's going on. They do. And we're also talking about betting agencies. And I betting agencies, one thing they love is making money. And they won't just suspend betting on something for any reason. This is pretty serious. If they're going to suspend betting, someone somewhere is a legitimate source that has said and leaked this to them. I think that is 100% legitimate to say. I don't think that would happen unless it wasn't. So this is different. This isn't your average rumor because for betting agencies to do this means there's a kernel of truth somewhere in this story. And I guess what my attention has been most grabbed by is the social media activity from both of them over the last week. In what way? In that this came out and straight away they're on the front foot putting up this perfect family image yeah they did she particularly did that she has done that multiple times when i first heard this i actually did not know what to make of it there is there is something to say about the scope of a rumor that big where it just cannot possibly be entirely fake now we could be talking about five percent of it being true but i think when you look at a rumor that big and that strong and with that much momentum it just sort of exploded on twitter and i think some of the girls in our facebook group actually work in london in the media and they said they couldn't even they can't explain how quickly it got around like mm. wildfire mm. and, and so they I, were they were believing that it was 100 percent true as well 1000 percent true I think now with a week to actually reflect on it and look at the media coverage since and look at how strong their denial was I don't think it's true to the extent that we've been told, but I think there's something in it. I know that the girls who are in our Facebook group who worked in London, who work in London, say there's a pretty it's a pretty open secret that they have a pretty open marriage. <laughs> um, you would have to. It's David Beckham and yeah. we, he has a history. So to have a really happy marriage with him, you would think that there needs to be some sort of arrangement. I can't imagine them having an entirely monogamous relationship in the last 13 years just because of his history. No, not at all. And as you said, the people in the UK who are backing this up and say, yes, it's got legs. I find it really fascinating that on blind gossip websites, which, yes, I do read. <laughs> which, I'm, you, which are blind love, for a reason. But yeah. often... Well, blind gossip's hard because there's a lot that's never proven. But then when you go and find a big story, it probably has already existed on blind gossip websites, Absolutely. if that makes sense. And if you guys don't understand what or don't know what blind gossip websites are, I'll just take you through it quickly because they only came onto my radar in the last 12 months. And I'm obsessed with all things celebrity. So basically, they're these websites that uh, publish very short stories without any names. They use descriptors like uh, huge UK celebrity couple um football star, athlete, whatever. They'll just use descriptors and then they let their readers decide who it's about. It's like the most fun version of a crossword. <laughs> oh, my God, it's the best. So one about a very famous UK couple where he's an athlete and she's a fashion designer came out in 2016 reporting that the husband was having an affair with his daughter's teacher. This went off on gossip websites Everyone was commenting saying they thought it was Dave and Victoria Beckham. And now this story has come out about the teacher more widely that she's actually pregnant or either had the baby. And you have, but you do have to think in this case is has the teacher been sort of attached to this rumor in 2018 because of a rumor that existed in 2016? Potentially. Which yeah. is really hard. I think the other reason that this rumor came out very strongly was the idea or the thought that perhaps Victoria had already spoken to Vogue about the split. It would be coming out in the August issue. What Victoria and David have done since is they have denied it and denied it and denied it. And now it's been leaked that Victoria and David are doing 
a shoot together mm. for Vogue in August. And I do find that interesting because one of the first, uh, I guess, sparks of this on Twitter was that uh, Victoria Beckham was doing a shoot with Vogue. And it was saying that that Vogue shoot was leaked into a, it was like a group chat. I don't know what forum it was like a messenger or something that someone on that set of Vogue had taken a photo and sent it to a group chat saying Victoria Beckham's doing this super secretive shoot with us about X and apparently that's how this all blew up so quickly. Which is so interesting because I wonder if it was like that originally if she actually did do the the shoot by herself and then they've gone into damage control and got David on board. It's also really fascinating if it's the August issue I'm surprised it's not the July issue. If it's something so secretive and so under wraps, why would they do it so far ahead of time to let it get out? Wouldn't you leave it to the last minute to make it super tight? I can't imagine them planning to... I just can't see a world where David and Victoria Beckham were planning to announce their split in the August edition of Vogue and then it leak early and then for, for them to, to change their story so so entirely. They can't really come out now and say... Oh, actually, you were right all along. Absolutely, they can. I don't reckon they can. This is this. This is what they do. They can only do this if she sells her story. That is the only way they can possibly do this. They, so the story can come out as true. I'm not saying it might not be true. I'm just saying they cannot change their story. I do not think they can change See, their story. See, I think they absolutely can. I mean, you you were just saying she sells her story. I'm guessing you're talking about the other woman selling her story. Mrs. Harper Teacher. Mrs. Harper Teacher. So obviously we're referring uh, to a bit of context here that in the mid-2000s, David Beckham was linked to infidelity when he cheated on Victoria with Rebecca Luz, who was his assistant at the time. Mm-hmm. She He denied it. The entire time there were rumours coming out and other women accused him of being unfaithful and he denied and denied and denied denied so did victoria they were a very united front until rebecca loose sold her story to a media outlet and then it exploded exactly but i can't see a world where they wouldn't have got together when this rumor broke and thought well do we just do it now Mm. if we're going to do it later but if they were never going to do it later then of course you're going to continuously deny it i just doubt she's going to sell her story anyway this woman because i imagine the beckons would throw her triple the amount a media organisation is going to afford to keep her quiet. If she's already signed the dotted line, though, with Vogue, she might have just felt under pressure that this can't come out until the magazine they've, comes they've out. They've leaked it already, though, that David's going to be on that shoot with her and it's a cover, a family cover story. Yeah. So I don't know. They'll I don't be know consciously they can... uncoupling. They'll 100% be consciously uncoupling. They'll probably deny the affair rumour. My, Do you want to hear my conspiracy theory? Yeah, go. They'll say they're consciously uncoupling. They'll say they have been separated for about two years. And then eventually it will come out that he's been dating this other teacher woman. And they'll say there was no overlap, nothing to see here. We separated a while ago, but we still live under the same roof. We're a really modern, happy family. And that will be the narrative. If that if they do split, then I agree with you. That's exactly how it probably will play out. It did make me think for the very first time what their brands would look like separately because they have been such a united brand and such a strong brand for, what, 20 years. Mm. And whether they actually can exist without each other. I mean, obviously they can. Victoria has a wildly successful fashion line, but there is something about Team Beckham being a team. Yeah, and being royalty, being it's, really trashy. Well, originally trashy. They've no. since recovered from that. I still think of him as very trashy for some reason. Like, I think they've recovered from that bit of a garish image that they first have when they got married on thrones. But as you said, I think it also plays into the fakeness of social media. We've discussed oh. this a lot recently, and any YouTube fans out there will know that it is breakup season. Every large couple on the internet is breaking up right now. However, 
leading up to their breakups that are all still posting these happy, beautiful photos together. They're saying they love each other on social media. They're saying they love each other on Instagram. And it all means fucking nothing. So I don't care that David and Victoria Beckham are coming out and saying, no, we're fine. Blessed dinner tonight. Love my husband so much. Kisses, Victoria. It doesn't mean anything. I don't care in a sense that I think it means they're together. I care in a sense that I mean it's going to make it very hard for them to change their story and change the narrative that they're trying to push in a couple of months because yeah. I think that's most interesting. I wonder what their kids think. I know. There are, what, four kids stuck in the middle of this. It's so grotesque. Oh, yeah, it is. But also, those kids are fine. Old mate. What's his name? I was going to call Brooklyn? him Beckham. Beckham. Brooklyn. Brooklyn Beckham is getting what like book deals for his photography based on his last name. <laughs> I don't think they're in any danger. <laughs> anyway, I reckon that's all we have time for today. It is. Thank you so much for joining us for episode 15. Please subscribe to the show in your feed. It really does help spread the word and allow other people to find our show. Please don't forget as well, you can take part in the conversation by joining our Facebook group. Search for Shameless Celebrity Gossip on Facebook. We are so enjoying the conversations that are going on in there. It's a really nice little hub on the internet that I, that we've created for ourselves. It's like a warm little crevice. <laughs> Oh, that sounds gross. That sounds disgusting. I'm going to keep going. We are also on Instagram. Just search. Oh, I knew this was going to happen. Just search for Shameless Podcast. We are out of here. We will be back next week for episode 16. Bye. Catch. Catch. Hello, guys. Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one. 